This place is special. Get asked all the time, where's your favorite place to take college game day? And I say every time, Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. This is the best crowd. Honestly, it's six in the morning here. Yeah. It's dark. It's raining. They don't care. These fans right here, pound for pound, are as good as any college football fans in the country. This program is staged to compete and to win championships. Oregon is going to be in the championship game. Can you believe the magical season this has become? When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns been making deposits. Time to cash the check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an Oregon 15-point win. Chip Kelly still does not have a win against his former school. And we say farewell. Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 Show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J-Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Hello and welcome back one more time to the QB11 show. I am Doug Scott and I'm joined by QB11 himself, Andrew. Good evening. How's your pizza? It's not uh, here well, yet. It's not here yet, but hopefully it's good. Okay. We'll find well, I, out. I, it was yeah. really cheap, so <laughs> it could it could end up backfiring. But it could. It I'm could. I'm hungry and it's almost 10 o'clock at night and I haven't eaten anything yet. So, um, yeah. Well, you, you know. What you it's been. I think we're a couple days past when we wanted to get this uh, get this baby recorded. There's been some good reasons for that. We don't need to go into, and but I'm excited to be here to talk about the Oregon spring game. I think there's a lot to talk about there, both off the field and on and in recruiting. We had a great episode with Justin where we kind of previewed a lot of the recruiting aspects of the weekend. We didn't really talk about the football aspects of it, but now we can talk about what we saw on the field and off uh, from this weekend. I thought before we jump into that, there's probably a couple housekeeping matters just to kind of throw a quick a quick hitting thought on. Um, Oregon has gotten down under the 85 scholarship limit. We saw, and we talked about on our last episode, we saw a number of players hit the transfer portal before the spring game. And then we've now seen uh, another few that have, have hit the transfer portal. I think some of them also were before the spring game, but after we recorded, I guess, is the, the way I would describe that. And then uh, and we also added a player through the portal. I've got Oregon sitting now at 82 or 83 scholarships. I think there's a couple of uh, a couple of questions outstanding. It's not like you know the team doesn't come out and say, this person's on scholarship and this person's not on scholarship. So there's some areas where you know there's there's some projection needed. Um, you know, long snapper is one that I think everyone's assuming there'll be a long snapper on scholarship, but it, it hasn't actually happened yet to our knowledge. So there's a little bit of wiggle room, but let's just say we're somewhere in that 82 to 83 range at present. Uh, from an outgoing standpoint, since we talked last, um, four members of the 2022 signing class, well, maybe one of them was a 21 uh, signing class have all hit the portal. So Trajan Williams, a safety out of Portland, Harrison Taggart, linebacker, Avante Dickerson, a corner, and uh, Sir Mel's, the defensive lineman. They have all left uh, via the transfer portal since we spoke last. Um, you know, and keep, we don't have to get too far into the weeds on any of them, but I mean, the reality is it's, it's depth and talent, right? Yeah, like, none of those surprise us. Yeah. I speak for both of us when I say that none of those surprise us. 
Yeah, I mean, this is these are guys that are not in the too deep or they're projected too deep right now, and and you know with the level of recruiting that Oregon's been doing both out of the prep ranks and the transfer portal, bringing in talent at those positions and every position. Um, guys that probably were, were unlikely to contribute here um, over the short and long term. And, and so they're wish them well and hope they find good landing spots uh, wherever their next stops are. Uh, conversely, Oregon um, kind of had a little bit, as we've talked about, a little bit of a shortage at the tight end position, just, I mean, from a body standpoint. Obviously, you got Terrence Ferguson there, Herbert back again, and then the freshman Kenyon Sadiq. But Oregon uh, went into the portal and is bringing in Casey Kelly, a tight end from Ole Miss, where he was originally a walk-on, was put on scholarship there, I think, last season. Uh, I think he's the nephew of former Bills quarterback Jim Kelly. But I don't know anything about him other than that. Yeah, I mean, I've watched a decent amount of his Ole Miss tape. Um, I think Ryan Bay, like pretty pretty limited athletically. Um, this is definitely someone that's being brought in as more of a depth piece, right? Like this isn't somebody that you're anticipating to be someone that puts up major production as a pass catcher. Um, I don't even think he's going to be a primary player in the rotation as an inland blocker unless that greatly improves for him this offseason. So um, I think this is one of those ones where it's like we need a body, we need a one-year rental, um, and he is that for us. So um, I would love to have my expectations surpassed, but just from the uh, film study I did of him based off last year, I'm not expecting a ton. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, you know, when you go out to the portal, everyone's like, oh, you know, why, are you, why aren't you bringing in this guy or that guy or a guy who's like a, a, a starting level player or a guy who could be a starting level player down the, the line? And I mean, that all sounds great if you're playing fantasy football or playing Madden or something. But the reality is, is like, you know, you have a you have a limited role to sell people, right? When you're at this point in the in the roster building process for the season as well, like you don't have a you don't have starting tight end snaps to offer somebody. You don't even have second second or even third string tight end snaps to offer anybody. So you know you, it's hard to build an all star roster when you're when you're basically saying like, hey, we need you to come in and compete to, compete to be the third tight end, right? Like the, a guy who like gums, right. Is another tight end that was out there on the portal. Like that guy wants to go somewhere where he can either start or be a, a, you know, a a major player in the rotation. And it's hard for Oregon to offer that necessarily. Yeah, exactly. And I think that like with NIL resources being what they are, I think um, understanding that everyone's operating with limited resources. Like, are you really going to invest a lot of money into a guy who's a rotational piece of tight end when you have the backfield and receiver talent that you have at Oregon right now, where it just might make sense to be more of a base 11 or 10 personnel team than to go out and spend a bunch of money to bring in a player when the ball can only, I mean, one player can touch the ball on every outside the quarterback can touch the ball on every play. Um, so there's really not a need for Oregon to go find a bunch of receiving production at tight end. What they need is serviceable depth and inline blocking. So, um, yeah. I think that this pickup accomplishes that. Yeah, and I, like I said, I, I haven't watched this film at all, but you know, when we were bringing someone in, my, my comments were, we need a guy who can you know, line up and block somebody for five or six plays a game in, in, a, in a big package or something. And if he can do that, great. If not, then somebody else will have to do it. But you know, it's, like you said, it's a depth play. Enough about Casey Kelly. Um, any other business besides spring game, or do you want to jump right into the spring game talk now? 
Um, I think, uh, I mean, the one thing I'd like to mention is it's kind of interesting how there's a, uh, there's been quite a few offers issued in the portal here recently for Oregon. Yes. Um, Jalen Key, the uh, very highly touted safety out of uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, uh, will be visiting Oregon this coming weekend. It'll be his final official visit before he makes a, a commitment. He's also visited Alabama, Ohio State, and Ole Miss. Um, so I think that gives you an idea of the caliber of player you have here, where it's like Oregon is not in a position where they really need another safety in the portal, but he's so good that it doesn't matter. And Oregon is just going to recruit him anyway because he makes us better. Um, and so I love to see how aggressive we're being um, offering players like that. Like there's a, there's a corner uh, from Louisiana Lafayette, I believe that we also offered um, again, these are guys that are just getting massive offers from big programs and it just kind of goes to show that, like, if you're a good enough player, there's always going to be a spot for you. Um, and we're going to always recruit over the top of everybody. Um, and no one's job is safe. And so that, that makes me, that brings me comfort as an Oregon fan that this roster is always going to be the absolute best it can be. Yeah, you mentioned that. I think, you know, there's the Strother, I think his name is. He's a guard out of Eastern Carolina that Oregon apparently offered today, or, or, or there was a rumor that he was coming to Oregon. I don't, I mean, it's not a credible rumor necessarily, but it caught some people's attention. I think there was another lineman maybe they offered, and then, of course, you know, the one we haven't talked about, Zachary Franklin. Uh, of course, we got Gary Bryant Jr. out there who's, I think, down to Oregon in one other school. Uh, A&M maybe, and then you got uh, Zachary Franklin out of UTSA, who played obviously under Will Stein for the last two years, has caught like you know, kajillion balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the one to me where it's like, if if you give me the option to take two guys off this list, I'm taking Key and Franklin. Like those are those guys to me are like transcendent talents. Like Zachary Franklin comes to Oregon, and like Troy Franklin's the number one, but it's like if you're judging based off talent like i don't know that it's that clear i think they're both very similarly talented players and i think that, that would really elevate oregon's passing game um and then with key it's like you add him in i don't know whose job he's taking but he's taking somebody's job so uh, evan williams and, and brian addison are gonna have their hands full trying to retain their their jobs at deep safety but the other thing that it would allow is for greater rotation and, and better depth so um it doesn't mean that just because someone wouldn't be a starter anymore that they're not going to play a substantial amount of snaps. I think it would be greatly beneficial to everyone in that room if you were able to add another real top-end, like, high-class player. Yeah, I think that's the one thing, you know, you, as you add somebody at, you know, the number one position or the number two position on your depth chart, you know, then who was number two is now three, and who was three is now four, right? And it just makes your entire rotation better all the way down the line, including, you know, to the practice squad and the scout team and everything else. Obviously, there's real people involved and all of those things, you know, that we talked about. But, you know, like you said, you're, if you can make your roster better, your job is to make your roster better. Yeah. It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no, but angel hair pasta. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. All right, spring game? Yeah, let's talk spring game. Yeah, let's do it. So 
maybe we'll just kind of start with some high level. I, I maybe we can break this down and kind of like we'll, we'll talk about the off field stuff first, and then we'll get into the on field stuff. So, um, you know, obviously the weather was tremendous. Uh, you know, Oregon really, uh, by by design or good fortune or a combination of both, by by really pushing this game out later in the season than than pretty much almost everyone. You know, having it that last weekend of April, they they were able to get some just a perfect day in Eugene for football. I mean, it was, you know, 80 degrees and sunny and warm and, um, you know, combined with all the recruits that were on campus, which we talked about with Hop last week. And I think there was even some more there that weren't on the list originally and a couple that that didn't make it that were. But incredible uh, turnout of recruits. But even more importantly, ton of former players there, ton of juice around that and the fans really really showed up um, you know i was in the stadium and it certainly was the second half you know people trickled out quite a bit but you know kind of say mid first quarter uh it it was pretty dang full it, i mean it was certainly the most people i've ever seen at a spring game i've been to which was very encouraging to me that the south side under the shade was was it was fuller than a lot of a lot of regular season games that I've been to. You know, there was really not an empty seat over there. The other side of the stadium, at its peak, was probably at seventy five percent, eighty percent capacity. The student section at its peak was a hundred percent full. The end zones, of course, were you know thirty to forty percent sparse. You know, whatever, but that's to be expected. So I think they estimated it at about forty five thousand. You know, I definitely think it was in that range. There was also a ton of people out on the concourse just you know, using the food trucks and the, the, you know, drinking beers and stuff. So, um, really, really a lot of energy in the building. I think that really helped, um, just create a, like, as Josh Pate said on his show, it was a recruiting poster for Oregon. Uh, and I think they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously I wasn't able to make it. I was in the area, but not quite able to get done to Eugene. Um, but the environment looked fantastic. The, the what this staff and Dan Lenny have done with in terms of like alumni outreach and um, connecting the the past with the present and the future through these massive recruiting events, I think has been like probably one of the more impactful things that has changed under him as the head coach. And just seeing like the former players have keys to the program still is really cool. Um, and so that that's a really unique thing for the program and having all those alumni. Um, at the game and, and helping with recruiting and just interacting with each other, interacting with the staff, I think is only a, is only a positive thing for the culture of the program uh, going forward. And then obviously a massive recruiting weekend, all kinds of top prospects. And there's just ridiculous amounts of buzz coming out of the weekend about where Oregon stands with some really, really elite players across multiple classes. I think that's something that we can go over with Justin when we have him on the pod next. Um, and then the game itself, which I, I've only had a chance to watch the entire first half, but I've watched the condensed highlights of the entire thing. So um, more more than happy to jump into that with you whenever you're ready. Yeah, definitely. Let's get into that. I, I, I think there was a couple a couple of like big time recruits who maybe just came out here for the for the visit experience and kind of left thinking like, oh, wow, maybe maybe this is a school I should check out a little bit more. So I think there's some some kind of big time national recruits who. You know, probably moved Oregon up a couple notches on their radar and, and have reported that they're in the running for for getting an OV and those kind of things. I, what was it? Uh, what was the what was the one Sims that was here, went home and then got his mom and then came back like a couple days later. 
Yeah, so he visited the weekend before the spring game. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, and then he went but he went home and then picked her up and went, came back. So that's uh, four-star defensive lineman Zadavian Sims from Oklahoma. Uh, but that's, yeah, so I mean, that's, pretty that's the kind of thing that you want to see. I mean, a lot of the prospects that were on campus for the spring game, actually that was like their second visit in the month. Uh, and that's and a lot of those guys have already scheduled official visits for June. So um, I think we're going to see a massive run of Oregon recruiting here into the summer. Uh, and I'm really excited to see how that takes shape. Yeah, because I think, I think I, the way I look at it now is like you kind of, as you get into the senior year, right, like January is kind of that month where you're like, okay, let's get everyone back out here again. The season's over. Let's kind of refresh and rekindle and maybe even build some new relationships with guys in January. And then you get them back again in, in April, ideally for the spring game, to kind of like get in get in these guys' top five, top three. Like get on the OV list, right? And then you get those OVs in June and you close the deal and you get those commitments in July and August. And, and then you roll into your season and um, you know, lock them down come December. So I'm, I think it's going to be an incredible class. And like I said, we'll, we'll talk about that more. So let's talk some game. First impressions. Um, I'll, I'll let you start on this one. Just kind of a high level. What's your first impressions? Take like maybe, maybe your first key takeaway from the game. From a top to bottom talent standpoint, this is the best looking Oregon team I've ever seen. Um, and I like not to be hyperbolic. It's just a matter of the fact that like when you look at what they did with the roster this offseason, the what they turned over, the types of players that left the program, and then what they did with that spot when those players left the program is pretty remarkable. Like this team is long and rangy. It's faster than it was a year ago. I think there's greater depth than there was a year ago. Um, I think that we've made several upgrades at key positions in the two deep. Um, and and specifically on defense, I think that like this is probably the deepest, maybe not the most the most talented at the top because DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead both were top fifteen picks, but um, on that off that twenty fourteen team. But this is probably the deepest in mo- group of defensive linemen that Oregon's ever had, and that's before they even finish adding. I mean, they got four more guys showing up in the in the summer. Yeah, no, totally, totally agree with that. I, I think that the overall talent infusion, um, and I'll say specifically on defense, right? and that was my biggest takeaway from the day was the defense. Uh, if the defense, and obviously the spring game and vanilla offense, and you know they've been playing against each other all spring and know the playbook and all that stuff, absolutely. I'm not sitting here saying like you know we have a, a, a Georgia defense now or anything, but I, there's enough to see like with the things that are happening to be excited about on the defensive side of the football. Um, you know, you, like you, you said it, the talent level overall, but that manifests in size and speed, right? Like the, the guys on that defensive side of the ball are generally bigger and at the same time, generally faster than what we saw last year and the year before um, at all three levels. Right. I mean, we're seeing that on the defensive line. We're seeing it certainly at linebacker. And I think we're, we're seeing it in the defensive backfield as well across the board. I mean, you see guys make an open field tackle. That was the other thing, tackling. Like, there was very few missed tackles in this game, uh, which is yeah. encouraging. And I think that that also speaks to the enhanced athleticism, specifically at the second level at linebacker. Um, you have guys that are better athletes who can make adjustments at speed and fit at the second level um, in the run game. So I, uh, I was really impressed with Jamal Hill, like right off the bat. I think he's the player where – you would hope that a move to linebacker would work. And like, frankly, I don't know, we've probably seen a dozen or two dozen guys 
make position changes over the course of the last decade. And more times than not, they end up still not playing a significant role after the position change. Jamal Hill was already a significant player from a, from a snap standpoint. I think that this move makes him way more playable and way more valuable to the team. He looked natural at linebacker. He's put on the, the, the size necessary. He's, he's a very, very good open field tackler, and he showed his sideline to sideline range. And I think Jamal Hill playing the way that I saw him play makes Keith Brown's departure make way more sense because he is faster, more rangy. He showed the ability to slip blocks. Um, and, again, he's an ex- exceptional open field tackler um, for any position on the defense. Yeah, you, you bring up Jamal. I'll, I'll mention that open field play he had against Bucky, you know, kind of on a flat, on an island in the flat with, you know, a one-on-one situation where he either makes the tackle or Bucky walks into the end zone with a touchdown. And and as we know, like Bucky Irving is not an easy dude to, to get down in a one-on-one situation because A, he's shifty, and B, he's powerful. And he's made a lot of guys look silly trying to trying to tackle him in a one-on-one situation. And, and he'll, he'll stone him. Like, I mean, he, he stoned him. He, he wrapped him up. He got him down on the ground. I think he even, like, you know, lost a yard on the play. It was it was a really impressive play to see in space. Yeah, I know what play you're talking about down there towards the goal line. Yeah. Um, that's not an easy tackle for anybody to make. And not only does he – he doesn't, like, over break down and then put himself off balance and then get ran over. Like, he does a really good job of just of, – of trusting his athleticism and fitting into the tackle and, and finishing in space one-on-one. And so – that's a play that I don't know that either of our starting linebackers last year make. Um, and so seeing, seeing him develop like that, seeing uh, Connor Soule play more, he seemed like a guy that, again, he, like what he did in the spring game match with what I saw on tape at Arizona State, uh, I think he's going to be a really solid contributor. Is he going to be a big splash player? Probably not. But I think he's going to be a guy that's in the right spot, can run and can tackle. Um, and like guys, even some freshmen that joined the team, but – uh, Evan Williams was a guy that I saw have lay a couple nice sticks, tackle well in the open field. Uh, Cole Martin tackled really, really well. Uh, and that was impressive to see from a true freshman early enrollee. So, uh, again, I think the the overall elevation of athletic the athletic profile across the board defensively showed up. Um, and I think that it's going to make us substantially better on defense this year. So I thought maybe we'd go through kind of position by position and just call out like what we saw you know, from that position as a whole, call out into, we don't have to name every single individual, but like, you know, maybe highlight some of the guys at each position that stood out, you know, either in a positive way or in a way that like, oh, you know, we need some work here or something like that. But what is that? You good with that strategy yeah, here? that sounds right. like a good strategy. All right. Well, let's start with quarterback. Obviously, um, I don't think we could really grade much on Austin Novosad. He came in in relief of Bo on the green team, you know, kind of mid-third quarter, uh, but then kind of, I think, Probably was planned to play more, but then once the the game got competitive, I think Bo put himself back in the game and said, "I'm going to win this." So, uh, he no great on him, but you know, you know, kind of talk about. I don't want to talk about stats so much because whatever. But let's talk about what we saw from from Bo and Ty. Let's start with Bo. Not that I'm worried about Bo, right? No, I mean Bo's Bo. Um, I thought he played well. Um, I wasn't. I'm not expecting a lot from him, right? Like my main expectation for him is to keep himself upright and not hurt himself. Um, and that he accomplished that. And so I know what I'm going to get from him on the field this year. Um, and I think that he's poised to have a really strong final season in college. Yeah. I mean, the one thing you'd might wish, 
you know, you missed some deep shots early in the game to Troy. I think a couple of them, you know, where you'd like to see see a more. Uh, both of them were overthrown by by an amount that were uncatchable. Maybe you'd like to see more of a hey, like give your guy a chance to make that play, kind of throw. Obviously, it's a, it's a spring game. He was he was very effective in in the deep passing game last year. I have no reason to expect that that won't be the case again. Well, he also so. made some really nice throws, right? Like the the one that yeah. Troy scored on. There was also the one that Justice Low dropped in the. Um, dropped in the end zone that was a really great bucket throw um i mean call it a drop call it a really well defended play i also think that dante manning played that as well as you could have asked so yeah uh, Yeah. but i I thought that overall good point again bo did what i would expect he was accurate on all of his intermediate stuff um was getting guys the ball in a position to make a move after the after the catch um and uh, like the zone read at the end i think just kind of reminding everybody that the athleticism still is there yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's talk about Ty. So kind of a tale of two halves. Um, you know, first half looked like, oh, no, uh, you know, one completion in the entire half, I think. Uh, got a couple batted balls, a couple of missed throws. Like, again, I think the, the defense made some nice plays at times, especially, and you know, we'll get to the defensive backs later. I thought they defended some throws really well. But but in the second half, I mean, Ty kind of came alive. He had a, he had a couple of really nice deep deep shots uh, uh, a couple to Hudson I think one well, maybe one to uh, Casper had one yep. yeah and I thought he just he looked like he got more comfortable got more confident back there and and he I thought he had some nice plays yeah I typically think that spring ball or spring games like in terms of like reps are not that useful of reps because a lot of guys are going half speed just trying to get out of the whole thing healthy uh, but I think Ty settling in like that, I think that these these types of games, scrimmage reps in front of fans, are really valuable for his confidence. And so to see him have a strong second half, um, I think is something that hopefully he can take and build upon uh, going into the summer because we need him to be capable as the backup quarterback this year. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to running backs. Uh, overall, the unit did not get a whole lot on the day. Uh, and I think that you know is a testament to, to some of the defensive stuff we'll talk about when we get to those units. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, the other thing you're looking at a spring game is, you know, your offensive line is not working as a unit, right? You, they're kind of split between both teams. You have a couple starters who are, who are out as well. So, you know, probably not the, the level of offensive line play, you know, as a unit that they'll see in, in, in a real game this fall, but nevertheless, um, you know, I think each of the backs kind of had their moment. Um, I'll start with Dante Dowdell. He had the longest run of the day at 13 yards, which is, uh, you know, not great if you're an offensive uh, fan. But yeah, from a defensive standpoint, if the longest run you give up is 13 yards, that's a pretty good day. And I think he showed some real good, real good speed and power on that play, and um, and, and a couple others as well. So he had a couple of nice runs. Lamar had some action. Missed a, you know, I dropped a pass. It was a hot pass, but one he probably should have caught. That could have been a big gain. But also had had a couple of nice runs, and then you know Bucky and Noah had had some work. Yeah, um, I agree. I I was, I mean, I already know what, what I'm getting with Noah and Bucky, right? Like I know right. they're both really good players. They're good backs. I honestly kind of feel the same way about Jordan James, um, especially given the stuff that we've heard about him in the spring. Uh, so I was most interested to see what the freshman backs looked like, and Dante Dowdell did not disappoint. Like there was one run I believe in the first half where it's like. He, he breaches that first level of the defense and he has a shoulder square and he's got ahead of steam. And it's like, you have, you have veteran linebackers who are good tacklers just 
grabbing on for dear life and it's like you better uh you, you're gonna earn this tackle um and like that is what i want to see from him as he continues to develop and get stronger and he grows into his frame if we can get him clear through the first level of the defense he's gonna be a bitch to get on the ground like that is just he's gonna run really hard he's gonna be he's gonna be he's gonna get behind his pads he still runs a little higher than you'd like to see i think that's something that uh, Coach Lachlan will continue to work on with him. Um, a giraffe. I think I think we heard a giraffe a giraffe comment out of Lachlan. Yeah, exactly. One of the mic'd up segments last week was pretty funny. But when he gets behind his pads and gets ahead of steam, like that's a load, right? And so you have like redshirt sophomore and true junior linebackers who have been in a college weight room, like they they they're just jumping on the back, right? Like you're you're getting yeah. towed along for another couple yards. Yeah, bring help. Yeah, hold on and bring some help. And I love to see that, right? And I, I think that this offensive line, when it get when that first unit gets healthy and cements in together and, and gels, is going to create an environment where someone like him can really thrive, can breach that first level of the defense, and really cause havoc and, and, and make you earn the tackle on the back half of the run. Yeah, totally um, agree. In, in regards to Lamar, I thought he looked great, great passing, catching the ball out of the, out of the backfield. He had the one drop on the wheel route from Bo. Uh, but otherwise, like he's a, he's twitchy, he's explosive, uh, he looks good in space, he's comfortable running routes and getting out of the backfield. Um, I'm interested to see what he looks like when he splits out into the slot. Uh, I just think that athletically, he's really dynamic and he's he's he offers a lot of versatility because um, I do think he's a good runner. And I actually was impressed by the way that he ran behind his pads uh, on some inside runs situationally during the spring game. So. Uh, I'm really pleased with both of those freshman backs. Obviously, there's development that needs to take place for both of them. Um, and But I think that the underlying skill set is really strong and justifies why we took them in the last last class. Yeah, it's really going to it's really gonna be fascinating to watch this unit play out throughout the season, but then even in the seasons beyond as well because there's, just, there's a lot to like there. Uh, let's move over to tight end. Uh, obviously, only two... Uh, scholarship tight ends to talk about with Ferguson, you know, not playing in the game, you know, Herbert, uh, and Sadiq, you know, thoughts there. I mean, Sadiq is a tremendous athlete. Like yeah. he had, he had one drop, I think that was kind of bad, but like you saw the burst, he caught the ball in the flat and he turns those shoulders North South and gets go Like he, it's pretty instant, right? Like he's not Brock Bowers, but in terms of, in terms of Oregon athletes, at the tight end position, it, he's probably the most dynamic move guy that we've had since Colt Lairla. Um, I think that that's only going to improve as his comfort level grows in the system. Uh, and I think he's going to be like an impact player as a true freshman at tight end. Yeah, certainly in the passing game. I mean, he's just a different kind of athlete out there, you know, after the catch and, and the or even before the catch, right? Just getting himself open and then, you know, catching the ball and, and turning it into – you know, you know, you see a lot of these tight ends. It's you know they catch the ball and then it's kind of like the rumbling, stumbling. You know, um, and he's he's more like glides. You know, like a, like a receiver almost. No, he does. Um, he he has like running back quickness, mm-hmm. like his short area burst and the and the way. Also, like he's not he's not six five. He's probably like six six two and a half, six three. But he's also pretty evenly cut, so it's not like he's got these big long legs and he's a guy that's just like a strider. Um, he has good body control and he can he can make adjustments in the short area, and his explosiveness is such that um, post catch he's he's more dynamic than just like a rumbling bumbling guy. 
Um, and then with, with Herbert, I, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty comfortable with what he is at this point, and I don't expect him to really exceed those expectations. I just want him to be a really consistent and strong inline blocker, um, catch what, catch the ball when it's thrown to him, and, and get whatever's there, right? Like, I don't have these false expectations of him becoming, like, the most dynamic player of all time in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, not everyone on your roster has to be an All-American or, you know, or an NFL draft pick. You need guys that do their job and do it well and can, and can be relied on. And, and I think Herbert's a guy that, that could fill that role this year. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, once you get Ferguson back healthy, uh, you're obviously adding Kelly to the room. It gives you four guys. I think that you got, there's a pretty high level of baseline confidence in that room. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, receivers. Uh, we kind of got a, what to my mind was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, just a slow play. I mean, he sat out, pretty much most of spring ball. Um, so he must have got on the field in the last week or two and was a, you know, good enough to go and be able to get out there and play. And, and you know, he had a couple of plays. But, um, you know, obviously I think what we're talking about here is Chris and Troy and Treshawn and Tez. You know, those are, as of right now, those are the big four on your roster. And Casper. And Casper, yeah. I'll throw him in there too, yeah. Um, yeah, and it was good to see Ashton Kozar get out there too. And um, I think he's going to be a good player. It's just going to be a matter of time. Uh, the the one that it, the most impressive player to me, no shocker, is Troy Franklin, right? Like I, I expected that he could take a pretty big step this off season. Like there was room for him to get better and to play with that like athletic arrogance and swagger of a guy that just knows he's the best player on the field. And like he he's that guy now, right? Like he looks a step faster. Um, he's always been an elite route runner. Uh, his release game is unparalleled like in my opinion today Troy Franklin is the greatest receiver to ever play at Oregon I don't I don't know who you would have that was is a better player um, and seeing him in the spring game was just really 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 impressive um, so looking forward to watching him get fed the ball at a, at a much higher volume in the fall because uh, I think that he's going to have just an absurd season if he can stay healthy, knock on wood. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I loved it. And, and I think with Stein's system and his philosophy, I think this is, is quite likely. But I just, like, I agree with you. I, I think just, just from a talent standpoint, he I, I, it's hard. Pre- I'm hard-pressed to think of anyone, at least in modern football, who who's a better receiver uh, than him from a talent standpoint that's come through Oregon. So I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him break. You know, break some wide receiver records at Oregon. You know, and it's not those bars aren't like extremely high where it's not feasible, right? I mean, I think our all-time leading receiver in a single season is like 1,100 yards. Like that's that's easy. Yeah, I would ex- I would expect him to beat yeah. that this year. Yeah. Um, with the with the type of volume, I think that Stein is going to get him. And not, not obviously at the end of the day, it's 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 about team accomplishments and winning and and everything else, but like. Sure, you want your guys to, to be able to have to do these kind of cool things as well. And he's a guy, like you said, that's more than capable. And let's just, you know, uh, you know, as as Will Stein says, you know, you, you feed the, what do you call, it? what did he call, him? feed the studs, feed the studs. So he's the he's the number one stud. So feed him. Uh, Tess, let's talk about Tess. Obviously, the, the the kind of the play of the day in the spring game was that catch and run, right? He had he had the nice little kind of sat in the zone over the middle, ten yard pass, and then he just took it to the house, and he made made a lot of guys miss along the way, and yeah, and he showed that that speed that we again, like I think we talked about it when he committed, like he is fast, he has legitimate top end speed, and uh, his wiggle in the short area 
is really, really good. Um, he avoids contact well, which obviously he needs to, given he's not the biggest guy in the world. But he's he's got a, another gear of athleticism that makes him more dynamic than some of the other slots we have on the roster, uh, and I think is really going to add something to the offense, both in the screen game and then in the in the true drop back passing game as we saw. Um, he's going to make a lot of things happen in those intermediate zones, um, and once he catches the ball, he's a little jitterbug and he's tough to get to get to get a corral on. So, um, I'm really excited about Tez Johnson. I thought that he was impressive. I thought Trayshawn Holden was really impressive. I know he had a drop or two, uh, but for the most part, like the physicality, post catch, using his body. Uh, making adjustments on the ball like Trayshawn Holden again was very much as expected um, and I think he's going to be a player that's good for 50 60 catches this year um, and I think he's kind of a rich man's version of what Coda provided for Oregon last year I think he's just a more dynamic athlete he's bigger um, and then really Kyler Casper is kind of the last guy to round out that group I know Chris Hudson had some nice plays as well but again he's a player that I think we really kind of know what he is at this point just given right. how long he's been in the program I don't think you see him changing a ton uh but casper has just unlimited range he can go way outside his frame to catch the ball it was good to see him get vertical i thought his releases looked improved um i think junior adams does a really good job with that room i think that kyler casper is a player that's going to help Oregon this year and make some pretty impressive catches yeah i think um going back to tez real quick you know the other thing that impressed me about that that long touchdown it wasn't just the speed which was evident but it was also that kind of like stop and start shifting this kind of change, you know, change of pace. Right. I mean, he just made some dudes miss by not just speed. Right. But like, at the, especially at the end, right. He gets down that five yard line. There's a guy coming out. I think it was, uh, I think it was uh, Williams, actually Evan Williams kind of coming down, could have made the tackle. And he just kind of does that, like stop, you know, let's, let's Evan Williams fly by him and then restarts and finishes his way into the end zone. And that kind of level of, you know, just craftiness, shiftiness, whatever you want to call it, stop-start ability, you know, that that wiggle, uh, that's something I think Oregon hasn't had, uh, you know, in the in the receiver room in a while, and I think I'm looking forward to see that dynamic play out. I think you're right on the spot on Chris uh, and Kyler. You know, I think Holden is, like you said, I mean, I think I look at it like this way, like Troy is a better version of, like Troy's Troy and he's back, but he's going to be better this year than he was last year. Um, I think Treshawn absolutely should be upgrading that 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 position on the other side of the field from from where it was last year. Um, and then you got to think the combination of Tez and Chris is an upgrade over Chris and whoever we had as the fourth last year, which I, I can't. It was so memorable, I can't even really name it. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, like like no disrespect to Chris Hudson, but Tez Johnson is a better player, right? Um, and Agreed. so. Just having Tez as a as a more primary player in the slot makes us better, right? And then not, if Chris not saying is that your Chris fourth can't... receiver instead of your second. Like I mean, Chris was essentially the second receiver last year. If he's your fourth receiver, I mean, and he's he's good. Like he's a good quality college receiver. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, so, I don't. I definitely don't want to diminish his contributions because he is a good player and he's going to make some good plays. Um, but like him falling out of the rotation a little bit more having maybe a little bit diminished role is a good sign for your receiver room at Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, Jerry and Dickey's not even here yet too. So who knows what, what he's going to look like come fall and if he's going to be able to work his way. Yeah. You know, somewhere into the rotation. Yeah, exactly. All right. Offensive line, probably hard to get too deep into this conversation. Split squad. 
I think the biggest takeaways for me, um, and we, and, you know, we could so focus on some individuals, but, uh, you know, what I liked here was there was, especially since you're playing with new guys and you're playing with a split, split squad situation, I thought, you know, there was not a lot of false stars, pre-snap penalties. That stuff was fairly clean, which is good. Um, I didn't see, like, massive missed assignments. You know, that's a good thing. And the other thing I'll comment on before I let you jump in is um, the snaps. Uh, the snaps were pretty good. They were pretty, you know, I, again, I didn't see, like, wild, bad snap. You know, you got new centers. So the fact that the snaps were generally delivered to the quarterback on time and, and in generally the right position, I think that's a, that's a positive to take away from the game, silly as that sounds. Yeah, no, I think overall the group looked good. I haven't had a chance to dig into the, all the all the offensive line tape yet from the spring game, but um, early guys that stood out to me and that Josh Josh Connerly looks to have taken that step that we had heard he had taken, um, and I think someone like Kawika Rogers looked good at that guard. Uh, I was actually really impressed with both uh, Laulu's um, George Silva. I think he's got some room to work still. Uh, definitely needs to learn how to anchor and sit down um, and, and kind of regain balance under contact against higher level athletes. Cause that's something that I think is tough when you're transitioning from Juco. It's something that Salah struggled with something that Bass really struggled with this first year. Yep. Um, yep. And those. so I, I, I think that that's not going to be an issue long-term, but early on, that's something that I, that I identified pretty quickly watching him in the spring game. So uh, I think this group is going to be really strong, especially once you put your best five together uh, and your best five might include two players that were unavailable for this game, Junior Angle and Marcus Harper. So, um, really pleased though with the direction of that group under Coach Terry. Yeah, most definitely. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes, the most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. All right. Let's jump over to the other side of the ball. Um, let's talk about defensive line first. And, and, you know, I think we were talking about this the other day. If you go back to last season, and we kind of forgot about how many of our starting defensive line did not participate in spring ball at all last season. Uh, you know, uh, Dor- Brandon Doros didn't no spring ball. Popo, Amabe, no spring ball last year. And then he ended up getting hurt in fall camp, too, and missed the whole season. So, um, I think Taki was limited last year. I don't think Casey was on um, was on the team yet. Keon Warehatson didn't play in spring ball last year either. So, I mean, just the fact that all those guys were able to actually be on the field <laughs> was a huge win. But then, obviously, the way that they performed, I think, again, this is the deepest unit, in my opinion, the defensive line, the interior defensive line, is by far the deepest and most accomplished unit, top, you know, one, two, th- three, third string on the team and, and it showed. Yeah, I agree. This group looks really, really good. It's good to see like 
veteran players with a lot of talent have a full offseason to get healthy um, and actually participate and take that step in development that they can, right? Like guys like Popo, guys like Taki, guys like Dorless, where Keon, where Hudson, Casey, uh, Rogers. Like, I, this is going to be just a stupendous group of in terms of depth. I think there's a lot of talent. Um, it was good to see guys like Johnny Bowens get out there and get some play. Uh, I haven't watched the second half yet, so I don't know. I didn't get to see Gardner yet. Um, but Ben Roberts is a player that I'm anticipating a big jump from just looking at this interior group. It's like eight bodies deep. And then you still have to add, uh, Mari Washington and Terrence green here in the fall. And so, um, I think you have a really strong nucleus of upperclassmen here where even if they take small incremental steps, like that's awesome. And then you have a ridiculously talented young group of guys that are just kind of coming into their own right now, learning their bodies, getting stronger, um, that are going to be kind of the future of the program on the defensive line. Well, and what the what the beauty of this line, the, the, this depth should allow you to do is like, I mean, there's no excuse, not no excuse on any play for someone to not be going like all out, right? No plays off. If you need to come out of the game, come out of the game. But like, if you can have that that embarrassment of riches where you can just like set another line out, you know, or a guy at a time, right? But like. Uh, that's just obviously your key guys. You're going to play a lot, right? But it, but if if at those some of those other positions, you're going to be like, just well, on, we'll just on rotate. Like, we'll just rotate on like guys. base yeah. rundowns. I don't know that there's a lot of difference between the ones and the twos, right? And even the threes. Like I just think that we're going to. I think Oregon's going to be able to play. Oregon is going to be able to do more with less in terms of bodies in the box, because of this defensive line group. Um, they're going to be able to stay fresh. They're going to be able to rotate, and they're going to be able to control, play gap control, and really make the lives of the linebackers a lot easier. So, this is a group that I think is the strongest group on the team. I think it's a group that, um, with some additional development from that edge room, is going to hopefully really propel this defense ahead of where it was a year ago. Yeah, and I'll, I'll call out Taki. I thought Taki had a couple of really nice plays in that run game as well, where you can just see, like, at the point of attack, like him just putting on a clinic out there a couple of times. Well, even Tavita Pomea, right? Like, true freshman, but he looks really strong. Like, he, his body is still going to continue to get reworked, and he's going to get stronger, and um, he's going to learn to play with better hands over time, working with Coach Tuioti. But, like, his his frame, his power plant, his strength, like, he, can play, he could play this year if we needed him to. And he's going to be probably the seventh or eighth guy in that room. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I'm just like I'm I'm overjoyed with the the development of the depth in that room. The upperclassmen have come back and they've obviously come back with the idea that they they need to make changes to their game to give themselves opportunities to play on Sundays. And so, seeing a guy like Taki look lighter and more explosive and healthier is is exciting. Seeing Casey Rogers heavier, uh more stout playing up and down the line, um being able to two gap better with some additional weight is nice guys like Doralis and Popo. I mean, it's it's a fun group. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's move over to that kind of outside linebacker and edge group. Um, you know, you got Mace, you got Shipley, Mateo is obviously one to talk about, Amarion, uh, and then Tatum, Tuioti, you know, all in that group. Uh, you know, Jordan obviously, Birch. Uh, Jordan Birch, yeah, I kind of have him listed with my, my defensive end group, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about him too because we haven't done that yet. Uh, you know, right out of the bat, Mace Mace makes a play. You know, similar to to what we saw, 
in, you know, in the Washington State game and in the bowl game last year. So that was kind of fun to see, like, first play of the game, him almost take one to the house. But, um, yeah, what, do you, what did you see there? Yeah, I mean, Mace is Mace at this point. Like, I think he yeah. can make some small incremental improvements. I think his, his condition is the best it's ever been. I thought it was better. I thought it was the best that had been last year, and I think he looks even better now, uh, which is exciting to me. Um, but looking at the rest of that room, like Jordan Birch is just a stud. Like I'm really excited about him. I think he's going to be an impactful edge player. He's unreal against the run, and I think that his the quotient of explosiveness and athleticism, and size and athleticism with him is going to be something that makes him really difficult to deal with in the pass rush. So excited about his prospects and then really beyond that it's the young guys right it's two yodi and mateo like those are the guys that i'm looking at um then obviously you have purchase coming in you got jade moore once he gets healthy uh and you've got ashton porter coming in as well in the fall um mateo to me is one of those guys where it's like he is just oozing with talent like he already plays with good lean and pretty good hands um his athletic his athleticism especially relative to how big he is is just ridiculous um, but I don't know that he is super comfortable in his own skin yet. And what I mean by that is he doesn't play with the same physicality against the run that some of the older guys in the room do. And so what I really want to see from him, if he wants to be more than just a situational pass rusher this season, um, is hopefully that confidence will develop with his strength during the rest of the summer going into fall camp, right? Like as he gets stronger, he'll be more comfortable playing, expressing uh, his explosiveness in a more violent way against the run. Uh, because I think that with some coaching, he could be one of the more dynamic pass rushers Oregon's had in a while. Uh, he just, frankly, has just such ridiculous athletic talent that it's going to be tough to keep him off the field. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. I, he, he certainly flashed. Um, I, I thought there was some, some series where Birch just showed you, like, okay, I can see why. This guy was a five star. I can see why Oregon brought this guy over, and and you know he just showed kind of like some sheer dominance, uh, you know, for a couple plays and in, in, in a row, and um, you know obviously it's a game where you know you can't sack the quarterback, and I think I, I think this was the officiating crew in this kind of setting. Like I, this crew like literally did not blow a single play dead for a for a presumed sack, which. Usually what you see is the opposite, right? Where they'll blow the play dead too many times for a sack. And you're like, that wasn't going to be a sack. Like, the yeah. guy was like three yards. Hey, he was in like a three-yard bubble, so they were they, like the rest would call it a sack like every time. And you're like, that, that wasn't going to happen. This crew was the opposite. Like, they didn't blow nothing dead. <laughs> so um, so there wasn't any sacks recorded, but there was some plays where it clearly would have been a sack in a real game situation. And I think Birch had, had probably one or two of those. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to really dig into the second half tape. I think that's where Tuyoti played more, uh, but I'm excited about his prospects. I think he's kind of a younger version of Funa. Yeah, no, I think he's a, uh, you know, and I I got a chance to see him you know earlier this month in the spring, yeah, and I I think he's he's a guy that I think the staff is really excited about, and I think there's good reason for that as well. So, um, you know, as we've been saying all along. If this room can even get, it doesn't need to even be elite, uh, you know, production. But just, I mean, last year was so abysmal at any kind of pressure coming off the edge. If if, they, if that can be improved to average even, like that, 
that's going to take this defense up just a whole other level because of, of the other areas that, that we've been talking about and we'll continue to talk about here. So, Yeah, I agree. Um, let's go over to linebackers. Man, we talked a lot about uh, about Jamal Hill you know, in the lead and for good reason. Um, obviously, the other guys out there, Justin Jacobs, the, the Iowa transfer, Bossa, the three-year starter now. Another name that I think needs to be brought up. He had a really strong day. A guy we hadn't really been inspecting from. I don't know what to expect, you know, coming into fall now. But Devin Jackson, like, he had a day out there. QB? Yep. <laughs> you yeah, had nothing to say about that, huh? No, I literally just, like, disconnected for a second there. So I, oh, I missed okay. the last minute. I don't know what happened there. My Wi-Fi just bugged out. Oh, weird. Okay. Well, I was just saying, you know, linebackers, Justin Jacobs, obviously, Bossa, we talked about, Jamal oh, yeah. Hill a lot, um, Connor. Uh, but I thought Devin Jackson was another guy who kind of, like, was a surprise kind of standout on the day. Yeah, I I haven't gotten to a lot of his splash plays. I know that he made a lot of stuff happen in the second half of the game. Um, yeah. But he, I like, again, just looking at his body and the way he moves, he's someone that you kind of would expect to have at least a chance. Um, but I think that that primary four of Jacobs, Bassa, Soul, and Hill is like a really strong group considering what we had last year. And I think that uh, Bassa continuing to get bigger and add weight and give himself an opportunity to be a better finisher is important. Justin Jacobs is going to be a really, really dependable player uh, with NFL upside. And then again, like whatever we get out of Jamal Hill to me is like sugar on top. And it looks like we're going to get substantially more than I would have ever expected um, based on the way he played on Saturday. So I, I feel good about that room. Is the depth tremendous? No, but if Devin Jackson can give you the fifth guy um, and I don't, did Jerry Mixon play? I, I don't know if he did. It was, you know, I didn't, it didn't like register as something I noticed or not. So, okay. But yeah, I mean, if he can give you, if he can give you a fifth guy that you feel like you could play, that's, that's a good spot to be in. Yeah. And I thought overall, I, I like, I mean, this is the area where I think you see the speed improvement on defense the most right at this position, like just, just the level of speed and athleticism, at this position group compared to a year ago um, and, and over the last couple of years, like and a part of it's just a different philosophy, right? I mean, Dan's the, the type of linebacker that Dan is looking for and recruiting is, is a different type of linebacker than what Mario was bringing in. And it doesn't mean they're, you know, those guys weren't good players. It's just a different, it's just a different mold. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. And, and that was very noticeable to me. So I, I, I'm very encouraged about this group. I, in fact, I've, I've offline, um, uh, to some people who are nervous. I, I said, I, you know, I basically have guaranteed that our linebacker play will be substantially improved this year. So, uh, yeah, I would be surprised if it that. wasn't. And I think that they're playing behind a better defensive line than last year's group did too. Right. So it's kind of a, a double-edged sword where you're getting better on the front, you're getting better on the edge. And so by, just by association, you're going to be better at linebacker because those guys are going to have cleaner reads to play off of. Let's go to the DBs. Uh, you want to split this up safeties and corners? Just want to talk about them all as one group. Um, Just given that the, it's TV angles for me, right? Like I wasn't in the stadium. I think we could probably talk about them all as a group. Okay. Um, 
like I guess I would start at safety. Like I think that um, all three of like, so the three guys that I would consider to be starters, right? Addison, Williams, and Johnson, like looked the part. They looked good. They looked sound within the scheme already, which is actually impressive given that Williams and Johnson have been in the scheme for a pretty short amount of time. Um, the what really got me excited though was seeing Cole Martin play in the nickel, play in the slot, yes. um, also play a little bit of corner. I don't think that he's a primary outside corner still. I, I think he's a little. There's a little bit of stiffness there um, that will make him vulnerable out there. But in the slot, given how like he's he's a strong little tackler already, um, and he's he's a, he's an aggressive player in the box, and he's he's got good speed and burst to close. Like I think he'll be really. I think he can be like a dynamic and impactful player there as a true freshman, um, and that frees up Kamari Terrell to move around. He played some nickel. He played deep. Uh, and I thought he looked really comfortable in those spots. Um, and then at corner, like, I think that there's four guys that can play. Like, I think J- Jalil Florence and Dante Manning look really good. Kyrie Jackson has a lot of talent and skill. Um, and then Triquez Bridges, like, Oregon fans love to hate on him. But unfortunately, he's – well, not – I mean, I don't think it's unfortunate. But unfortunately for the haters, like, he's really dependable. Talking, uh, to, think, talking to you, Clayton. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think he's dependable. Is he going to go and get drafted in the first half of the draft next year? Absolutely not. Is he going to get drafted in the second half? Probably not. Uh, but I think he's going to be a guy that gives you solid snaps. Um, and what you would really hope for is that guys like Jaleel Florence and Dante Manning and Kyrie Jackson can kind of push him further down the the depth there. But I, I really think he's going to be a guy that plays a lot and is a mainstay regardless. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it feels like I, I'm going to put my, you know, you know, I think I look, I'm not saying Triquez Bridges is an NFL player or, you know, an all conference or all, all American or anything, but I do, I do kind of think I feel, I feel times caught up in defending him, uh, not because like I'm the president of his fan club, because I do think he gets some unfair hate at times from some of the fan base. And, you know, it feels to me like he's one of those guys where every year the coaches, try to bring someone in to replace him and he just keeps keeping his job somehow. So he's doing something right. Um, and I think he's a pretty solid player out there. I, I, you know, moving on, I thought, I thought watching Kyrie Jackson and he took on the job a lot of times of lining up across from Troy and, you know, held his own, held his own at times. Like, I mean, Troy's going to get his right. But I like that your guys out there going like, okay, I'm going to challenge the number one guy and I'm going to, you know, go up and press man. And I'm going to, I'm going to take him off a spot and try to, you know, try to take him out of the play. And, and that's the kind of like mentality you want in, in your corners. And I thought he, he really challenged and, and did some things out there. I, like you, you called out that Dante Manning play earlier where, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Justice Lowe had, had a touchdown catch and Manning didn't give up on the play. And, I don't know what they would have called that in the game. I mean, he had it for quite a while. It might have been it might have been overturned into a touchdown. But the fact is, your hand fighting through the end, and he knocked the ball loose, and like whatever the whichever way the call goes, that's the right play, right? You're not giving up on that play, and so you like that fight. And it, it just overall, I thought the entire defensive backfield, the two things I noticed, whether you're talking about safeties or corners, that stood out to me watching that game live were one. There was very few times where guys were wide open. I mean, or even, you know, I mean, the, the quarterbacks were throwing into a lot of a lot of tight windows. 
even on plays that were successful and, and were completed, there was the coverage was close. The coverage was was right there. Um, and then the other thing I, I saw was I think there was a lot of pass breakups. There was a lot of, and you call them drops if you want, and some were. And sometimes you like say that should have been caught. But, like, again, the, the, the DBs were, they're getting in their, their hands in there and contesting those catches. Uh, and that's what you really, you like to see that. It just seems like when there was error on the defensive side of the ball in the spring game, the margin was smaller, right? Like, yes. The windows that the offense had to execute within were, were tighter. Like, that's why you didn't see big explosive runs. That, that maybe existed a year ago. That's why um, outside of a couple of big plays, I think that the passing game was very competitive in the back half. Like Troy Franklin is going to get his, he's going to do that against everybody. Um, so I, uh, I'm, I'm very encouraged by the development at corner. Um, and I think that, I think it's going to be a group that's really like solid for Oregon this year. Like it's not, you don't have a Christian Gonzalez who's a surefire first-round draft pick out there, but I think you have some guys like I think Jaleel Florence is going to be the best player in that room by the end of the season. Yeah, um, and I think that Dalen Austin and Roger Pleasant are going to have opportunities to be good players. I was really impressed with Solomon Davis as an early enrollee true freshman in this game. Um, I think that like again like clearing that room out and like Coach Meat bringing in his guys, um, that's a that's going to be a fun group to watch. Like I. I'm like genuinely excited about the competition at the cornerback spot. Yeah, not just this year, but even going into next year. I mean, I don't get too far ahead of ourselves, but that room is becoming uh, is becoming a pretty deep room with the way that you know the guys that that they brought in in Dan's first signing class, you know, like Florence, um, and then the guys that we brought in in this twenty three signing signing class, and then you know some of the guys that are on you know, that are, that are looking promising for, or even committed for 24. Like, I, I think that that room's going to get pretty deep and the competition's going to be good. I'm going to slip back over to the, the middle of the field a little bit. Tell me if I'm crazy here, or if I mean a little bit too much home rush with this take, um, because I think to me, the weakness of the defense last year in the second and third levels was clearly up the middle, right? Between the linebackers and the safeties, Mm-hmm. thought that was the weakest part of the defense as a whole. And I'm looking at it now position by position, and I'm thinking, like, I feel like, okay, let's just assume Boss is back as that starter. Um, you'd like to think he's going to be a better player than he was last year. I feel like the other linebacker spot has prob- will probably play more effectively in this system this year. I feel like all three safety positions have been upgraded. Is that a crazy take? <laughs> I don't think it is, but I want to just get a sanity check here to say, like, I feel like, I feel like Tyshim Johnson is probably a, a, a more complete player and a better athlete than, than Bennett Williams was at nickel. I feel like Evan Williams is probably an upgrade, um, to, was it Jamal Hill playing that spot last year? And I feel like Brian Addison is an upgrade to, to the Steve Stevens spot or vice versa, right? I, I, just, I feel like all three of those spots have been, to, in my mind, pretty clearly upgraded. Yeah, I agree. I think if you can add like a Jalen Key, like all, all of a sudden you're looking at like a super talented room. Um, and so, but yeah, I think that like with what Oregon exits the spring with at safety, you have to feel good about the fact that that room is upgraded. I think linebacker is very clear and straightforward. Um, I, I'm happy for Noah Sewell being drafted in the fifth round by the by the Bears. I hope he has a wonderful NFL career, but he was not a elite player by any stretch of the imagination last year. 
Um, and so I think that there is very easily room for someone like Justin Jacobs to outperform within the scheme what was done last year. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And touching on the draft thing, that was one thing we didn't cover at the beginning of the show. Obviously, the Ducks having six players drafted, which was the, the most we've had in a long time. So Christian Gonzalez, DJ Johnson, Noah, um, Jordan Riley got drafted, kind of a surprise one there. Uh, Big Sala got drafted, and then who am I missing? As the Alex Forsythe. Alex Forsythe, thank you. So six draftees in this class. I think you and I were talking about this offline the other day. It was I mean, depending on who early entries and, you know, some, some guys' seasons, you know, which way they go this year, I mean, that number could grow um, next year. Yeah. Yeah, I would anticipate that it will. I think that Oregon will probably have – I mean, again, depending on, like, if guys come back for senior years that you wouldn't wouldn't anticipate that they would, um, yeah. then maybe not. But I could see Oregon getting close to nine, ten guys drafted next year if things go well. So – um, it'll be interesting to see how that what what that class looks like, like who actually declares and goes. But like if guys like Bucky and Terrence Ferguson and Troy Franklin are all declaring, obviously Bo will be gone. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Johnny Cornelius this season. Um, then over on the defensive side, I think there's a bunch of guys that could be fringe later later round picks. Um, I don't know who the if there's any surefire high end guys, but um, like a guy like Jordan Birch seems like he would be. He's going to test really well, kind of like DJ did, and probably find himself in like a day two, day three situation. Uh, we'll see what Dorless does. Um, we'll see what Taki and Popo can do for themselves in their last years of eligibility. Uh, see what Justin Jacobs can do. He's mentioned he'll only be here for a year. Um, and then whatever happens at defensive back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're not all going to get drafted, but I mean, no. if you have a pool of, of – 12, 13 guys who, who are potential draft guys, you know, it's not unreasonable to think eight or nine of them will get drafted. I mean, obviously you've got five or six sure things, and then you got, you know, seven or eight more that are those guys that could. So some of them will, some of them won't. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else you want to cover on this one? No, I think we did a good job covering our bases. Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of my overall takeaway too coming out of spring is – you know, relatively injury-free. Um, you know, I know there were some guys that came into spring with injuries, uh, obviously didn't participate in spring, um, and then, you know, that are unscheduled to be back for fall. There's a couple of guys like like a Terrence Ferguson and like a Marcus Harper that got binged up, banged up during spring ball. It doesn't sound like either one of those things is going to threaten their season. Um, and then, obviously, nobody got hurt in the spring game itself. So I think that... The, the overall health and and just the, the you know the the work that George, that coach love and his team have done you know the strength not only in the strength and conditioning program and building the speed and the strength and everything but also keeping these guys healthy and ready and their bodies in good shape i just think you know that deserves a shout out as well yeah i think you have to be really happy with with the way that the team looks from a fitness standpoint one more thing i want to mention cuz dan mentioned it in the post game interview you know, a lot of teams, not a lot of teams, actually play like a a spring a split sp- squad sp- spring game anymore, right? And you see so many of these teams in this conference, particularly. We saw it under Mario. Like Mario never played a spring game in his all his time here, right? Like they did the whole offense versus defense, and we're going to create some funky scoring system, and it's kind of a scrimmage, and we're going to set up you know scenarios and 
And I understand, like, if that, that may be better for, in some ways from a practice standpoint, especially if you can't have, if you don't have a big enough roster or enough healthy guys to form two squads. But, like, I think, I think there's advantages to having an actual game. And I think, obviously, it engages the fandom a lot more. But also, I think, like, guys want to play a game. Like, they want to be out there and be, I mean, we saw that, right? I mean, the, the game gets close and Bo's like, I'm going back in this game and I'm going on a drive and I'm going to win it, right? And I think I think there's something to be said for putting guys in a real game scenario and not not kind of some of the stuff you see a lot of the teams doing now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it was also a benefit that they were able to have, like, almost a full roster for this spring, and that's not always going to be the case. Um yeah, so, all the early entries being here, or most, most, uh, you know, so many early, early entries, entries yeah. and then also some guys that transferred out that were actually here for most of the spring. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I hope it's something we can keep doing. I, I remember when you know after the game, one of the reporters asked Dan, like, oh, was you know, was there any thought of not putting Bo back out there? And 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 Dan's response, I love Dan's response. It was just like, we're playing football, like <laughs> you know, it's a football game. We're playing football, right? And it was just like, duh, of course, you know, we're gonna play football, and and I I, I just. I just really like that attitude. You, you contrast that to someone like what Chip is doing down at UCLA. I mean, not only did they not have a spring game, they didn't have a spring showcase or a spring scrimmage or a spring fan fest. They did nothing, nothing. They did they did zero, and I just that's kind of sad to me. I'm glad we have Dan. Yeah, well, I mean, we also have a fan base that will actually show up, unlike UCLA. Fair point. All right, QB. I think that's another episode in the books. I agree. Now that spring's over, I do have some cool stuff. I think uh, QB and I have some cool stuff lined up to kind of start talking kind of more macro level stuff. Um, you know, we're not so focused on the team. Obviously, we're going to continue to with Justin cover recruiting throughout the course of the summer and, and all those big visit weekends and Saturday Night Live and commitments and all that stuff. But I, I'm also kind of cool to start talking a little bit more again about some some macro stuff, not just at Oregon, but across the conference and across the country. You know, we'll do some fun stuff about, you know, or, you know, some early, uh, you know, post-spring. Who do we like? Who do we not like? You know, make some projections, make some predictions, talk about stuff going on around the country a little bit more like like we can do in that time of year. So I'm, I'm kind of putting together a list of those things and we'll uh, we'll pick those off week by week. Yeah, and I think it's pretty cool because at this point now in the offseason, like rosters are getting pretty locked in. Yeah. So we're gonna have a good idea of who who's playing with who, <clears throat> which should make off season like projections and predictions easier. Yeah, I mean, I kind of considered kicking them around, like, and I'm just like, no, no, it doesn't even make sense to talk about any of this stuff until after spring ball, and after the transfer portal happens, and we see who leaves and who comes, and everybody gets locked in. And by the time, you know, obviously the transfer portal window closed a couple days ago. Uh, we haven't heard of any more Oregon players jumping into it. I think that word would, would pretty much have come out by now if anybody else did. So it uh, doesn't look like that's the case. And, and the same thing around the rest of the country. So now we can start having fun with prognostications and, and all that good stuff. 100% agree. All right. Well, thanks you all for listening once again. We will be back uh, with Justin, with QB, with myself, uh, probably in about another week or so. We'll be back with our next episode, and we'll uh, we'll start kicking off our our late spring and early summer kind of series of podcasts as we build up towards. Before we know it, we'll be in fall camp. You know, come come late July, early August, and 
the new season is approaching. It's four months away. Yeah, I think we're approaching guest season, like time to get Hithliday back on, James Crepia, maybe some staff members. Um, this seems like, like let's start that build up towards the fall now. Yeah, absolutely. So keep listening. We're going to have lots of good stuff for you. It's just because spring ball is over, it's not time to, to take the summer off. We're not taking the summer off, so you don't either. Keep listening. We're going to have a lot of cool content throughout the summer and, and leading up to fall. So thank you all for listening. Follow us at QB11Show on Twitter. He's QB11. I'm Doug Scott. Thank you.